This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Wow, it's great to be here. I'm so excited to be part of East London. Um, we only lived here for a few years, and most of the time we're on the road. So I'm with YWAM. As if you've not heard about YWAM, Youth with a Mission. My wife, Trudy, is originally from Namibia, and we've been traveling around the world for the last 28 years as missionaries. So we are privileged, and it's wonderful having a wife like Trudy that says, Yes, honey, I'm coming with you. Just come, Lord. Let's just welcome him. Just in your heart, just say, Welcome, Holy Spirit. Mm, just come, Holy Spirit. You're welcome. Just a little bit about myself, I grew up very analytical. My natural way of thinking is everything against what I'm doing, teaching about the Holy Spirit. So since early in school, uh, things like mathematics and physics was very easy for me. I had straight A's through school. After high school, I went to university. I did a Bachelor of Science with Maths and Physics as my major. I completed that. I was at Pukka, and I went to Turkish, did another degree. Then I studied some theology. And just as I'm about to think I know everything about everything, I realize when it comes to the things of God, I know nothing. I also grew up in a very conservative family. My father and my grandfather were ministers with the Reformed Church. My grandfather had his doctorate in theology. He was there with the Gereformeerders in uh, Porch. And my father was doing with the Dutch Reformed Church. And so everything I'm going to do tonight is basically what they told me not to do. <laughs> I was thinking as we were all singing in tongues, I remember my first time getting exposed to people doing that. It was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> But, you know, God have a way of encountering us and changing the way we think. And now I'm going around the world showing people the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember one of the people that had a huge impact on me trusting God for the supernatural was a young Tswana guy. I was in Pochestruim, and I started my first church at the age of 19 in the township there in Ikaging in Pochestruim. And baptized many of them and saw God was moving. And then this, young, this black man came to me and he said to me, You know what's the problem with you white people? You tell us God is real, but you never show us. He said, When I grew up, when we have a problem, my father take us to the witch doctor. If someone's sick in the family, we go and slaughter a goat, sacrifice to the ancestors, and boom, a miracle happened. Or there's no money in the house. My dad called all of us, and again, we slaughter and do something for the ancestors, and he provides. You come and you tell us God is real, but you never show us. And that day I said, God, I don't never want to preach a gospel where it's not alive. Why not just talking about God? You see, it's easy. We can talk about God, but there's no power. And that's what I'm trusting God with you guys tonight, that there will be a release of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I just want to introduce somebody else here, Kaya, if you just stand. Kaya is uh, our local YWAM leader. He's just busy. Him and his wife, Grace, are pioneering YWAM. Kaya is originally from the Eastern Cape, but then he went to Cape Town, J-Bay, Booster. I met him, worked with him for about 10 years in Booster and other places. And then God spoke to him and Grace and said, come and start something here in the Eastern Cape. So it's good having you. And also feel free tonight if God gives you a word or something, Kaya. I'm going to start with my favorite scripture in the Bible, John 14, verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, if you believe in him, you will do the same and you will do more. How many of you are doing that? The same. Let's just start the same, not more. (laughs) You see, it's so interesting as I go to Christians and I meet Christians around the world, they believe, but they don't really believe. But Jesus is saying to you tonight, here in East London, in Shofar Church, you can do the same things Jesus did and more. Another favorite scripture of mine is Ephesians 3 verse 20. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I want to tell you a story, and I'm going to tell a lot of stories. That's how I teach, because that's what I'm seeing, the power of God. Where God used people like us to do the same Jesus did and more, And then a lot of people's lives get changed. There was a young German girl, Tabia, that was in my class. She was 18 years old. I was teaching about the Holy Spirit, and I could see this girl was so hungry. She was like, more, more, more Holy Spirit. And I teach them how to pray for the sick, how to prophesy, how to just go and do what Jesus did. Simple. Naturally, supernatural. They went, the team, it's about five of them, went to Malawi, to the southern part of Malawi, where there was the, the tribe that lived there. It's called the Yai, Yao, the Yao tribe. Now, amongst the Yao, there was no Christian. It was basically a Muslim tribe, and there was no known Christians among that tribe in Malawi. When they arrived there, Tabia, this 18-year-old German girl, said, Jesus, what Stefan told us, I want to do it. What can I do? And she felt Jesus says, go to the imam and tell him he's sick. I'm going to heal him. Now, you know who's the imam? He's the big chief of the village. He's the spiritual leader of that Yao tribe. So this young Tabia goes to the imam. She says, sir, I believe you are sick and Jesus want to heal you. He looked at her and he's like, so poor Tabia. She walked away and she said, Jesus, what should I do? Jesus said, go back, tell him again. She goes back and she said, Sir, I really believe you are sick. And the next moment, tears start. He said, You're right. I always have pain here. She stretched out her hand. She said, Sir, I believe Jesus has touched you. And he went like this, and then he really started crying. And he said, This is the first time in many, many years that I don't have pain. Just there, this young 18-year-old German girl leads the imam to Christ. And in that village that day, that team told me more than 100 people got healed. Two weeks later, the imam phoned my friend, Daniel Duckmore, who's the YWAM leader in Blantyre, and said, I got your number from this young white girl. Can you help me? He said, 
come live with us for a, for a we've got an extra room, hospitality room. The imam came from the village, lived with my friend Danny, and for two weeks, every day, Danny taught him about the word. And then he said to my friend, can you help me that we start a church amongst the Yao? Today, 2018, there's a church amongst the Yao people because Tabia was obedient to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Last year, I, went, I, I, I lived in Wooster, Trudy and I, for about 12 years. I was leading the Y1 base there. And then when we moved here, I went back to teach for a week at the Y1 base. And a friend of mine that's working at Drosday uh, Technical High School said to me, Stefan, I heard you here. Don't you want to just come and uh, minister to the kids one night? I'm like, Okay. So when I got there, one of the hostels, the boarding houses, she arranged, and uh, I went with a young American guy, Ryan, 20 years old. And I asked my friend, I said, so what do you want me to teach on? She said, of course, the Holy Spirit. I said, uh, is this boy saved? She said, I don't know, but they need the Holy Spirit. I said, okay. <laughs> so I started speaking a bit about the Holy Spirit, but I could see they have no clue what I'm talking about. So I said, okay, okay. I need to demonstrate to you that the Holy Spirit is here. So I said to Ryan, now you get some, need to get some words of knowledge and healing. And I got one or two, and Ryan got quite a radical word. He said, I feel there's someone with a crooked back, and you got it inherited from your parents. Now, there was about 80 kids in the room that night. Five of them stood up. I'm like, no, no, you guys don't understand this Yankee. And I translated it in Afrikaans. I said, yeah, 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 okay. And we started praying, and one after the other, they would go like, wow, the pain is gone. Next one, next one. And then there was one guy, he, a few days ago, he broke his right leg in a motorbike accident. And he had a cast on one of these moon boots. And I'm watching, and I'm seeing Ryan and some of the kids going over, and I'm like, don't do this. Don't do this. I'm thinking, lawsuit, yeah, it comes. But I'm too late. <laughs> so, so as I'm walking, they're already there, and... <laughs> take it off, throw it, and this boy start going, and, he's, and then he start crying, and he's like, and he start dancing, and he's like, I'm healed, I'm healed, and the other kids start crying, and he was one of the big boys playing first team rugby, and, and then I said, okay, who wants the Holy Spirit? We're praying, bam, bam, power of God. Now, when I arrived there, the teacher that was the hostel father or whatever, said to me, sir, you guys got 45 minutes, then the kids have to study. I said, sure. When I looked again, it's two and a half hours later. The teacher is standing there, tears running down his cheek. I said, uh, okay, sir, sorry, we have to go. He, he turned to us and to the kids, and he, says, he said, boys, these two guys did not come and tell us some funny stuff. They showed us that God is real. I left, and then about two, three months later, I came back to Wooster, and this lady again heard. So what she did, she called me. She said, can you come again? I'm like, sure, why not? And then she went to the principal and told him what happened the last time. And the principal said, everybody have to be there. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. But he did it. Uh, no, they have to be there. So the whole pavilion there draws day, 800 kids. And I went and I took the DTS from YWAM with. We're standing there. And I just started to speak. And Ryan, quite bold American, grabbed the mic from me. He says, where's that boy that got healed? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm still healed. And then Ryan said, okay, today 
you guys going to decide for Jesus. And we're not going to do any of this religious thing, bow your head, close your eyes. If you want to follow Jesus, you're going to step down from there onto the grass and accept Jesus in front of everybody. I'm like, wow, this is a little bit radical. Next moment, 600 of the 800 kids came down and knelt down, and we started praying. And God started doing something. You see, it takes one person, one miracle, one radical thing, and God opens up something that is not possible. Also, last year, my wife and myself were in Canada, and I was ministering in Victoria, and, and someone invited me to an Anglican church. So I was like, okay, a little bit nervous, a little bit. When I got to the door, the priest met me in all these robes, and he said, hi, I'm Andrew, I'm the priest here. I said, hi, I'm Stefan. He said, you have 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I need 15 minutes to say hello. <laughs> I said, God, now you need to show up quickly. And as I start, now they do the whole thing. You know, everything is like they read this book, and then they read this, and then this, and it's exactly, I mean, time to the second. <laughs> and I had a word of knowledge at a word of knowledge, I said, I felt there's someone with a pain on your knee. Like, yeah, it was like a lion. And the lady jumped up. She said, it's me. So Trudy went over, put her hand there. The next moment, in the Anglican church, this woman jumped up. She said, I'm healed. I'm healed. She started dancing around. I'm like, okay. We're on the right track. And I had another word. I said, there's someone with a stiff wrist. And a guy said, it's me. And as he did this, he goes, it clicked. I'm like, uh, what do you mean it clicked? He said, and then he explained to us, he said, 13 years ago, I was in a car accident, and, and I totally crushed my wrist. And what happened was the doctors fused it together. He said, when you get that word, when I put up my hand, it went click, click. So he goes like, it can move. He said, wait, wait. And literally, guys, this is in the Anglican church, in front of everybody. He goes on his hands, and he does push-ups. He said, this is the first time in 13 years I can do a push-up. And then my 15 minutes was up, and I said, Amen, be blessed. <laughs> but that week, every night, I was teaching in the, in the book Christian, they have a Christian bookshop in uh, Victoria. And every night, most of the people, I would say 70 to 80% of the people that came to that meeting were from the Anglican church. And bam, God started something. One step of obedience. Don't underestimate what God wants to do. God is about to release something that will blow us away. When we were earlier, when they were praying together, I joined them the last bit. And the Lord just reminded me, there's a picture that I saw of a dam that's being built, where a dam wall is being built in, in the riverbed, and then the water builds up, and then suddenly I felt the sluice gates are being released. And what I sense in my heart, there were many of you here that have been praying for revival. And God says, I have heard your prayers. The sluice gates will be opened. But here's a little bit of the warning with that picture. When you're on the other side uh, of a dam wall where the riverbed is dry, when you open the sluice gate, suddenly the water goes. And what I also saw was little shacks and little structures in the riverbed. That's not supposed to be there, but because the water was so low, we do that. When God's revival is going to come, it's going to be uncomfortable. Don't fret. Don't be scared. God is going to do it, 
but allow God to wash away the structures, the little things that we do that is not necessary from God. Are you with me? It's coming, but when it comes, it becomes a little bit uncomfortable. And I can show you every revival that I read about. The people who prayed for it, when it happened, they were the ones that first sort of like, okay, tried to reject it because we're not so comfortable. I was in part of a revival treaty in myself, whatever, 28, 29 years ago in Cape Town. The Spirit of God fell, and that was two, three years before anything happened in that church in Toronto. The power of God came down, and everybody was first excited, but sadly, very soon the leaders turned, and they said, this is not God, this is the devil. And God says, bye-bye. You see... Why does most revivals not happen in church, in the body of Christ? Can I tell you? Two main things that I've seen around the world. I've been, I had the privilege, I've been now to 82 countries around the world where I've ministered and taught about my best friend, the Holy Spirit. You know what's the two things that stop every one of the revivals in these countries? Fear of man and control. Fear of man and control. You see, we are so scared what will people think when God moves. As long as you're scared what people will think, you will not see a revival. You cannot see a revival. God want to use you guys. If this little Tabia was scared, and when the imam told her no, you know what? That tribe probably would not be saved even today. But she went back. Jesus want to come and break in your life the fear of man. You cannot walk in the fear of man and have a revival. You hear me? We have to walk in the fear of God. It doesn't matter what people think of you. What does your papa think of you? That's what matters. See, and we need to, and it's a difficult thing. Because, you see, our, our identity is so much in what people think of us. And as long as you're worried about that, when you're at work, at school, wherever you are, you're not going to step out in obedience because what are they going to think of me? The moment you overcome that fear, boom, 50% of, the, of you've already won. And then the control thing. We like to control things. Why? Why is it that we want to control everything? Because our identity is in our ministry. Our identity is in how it looks. It's, again, it's basically the same thing but a little bit different. So we have a little bit of that orphan spirit. So what does the orphan spirit say? I have to fight for what is mine. And so when I have a church, a ministry, an organization, a business, a school, whatever, I cannot risk losing my image. And the moment things go a little bit, what, then we try to control it. You know what was one of the saddest things for me? One of my heroes in the faith in this modern day time was John Wimber. John Wimbo taught me about healing when I was a young teenager. And that same John Wimbo, when the power of God started falling in Toronto and other places around the world, he turned around and he said, I cannot associate with what is happening. And he dissociated with his own movement. I mean, this was the, the vineyard churches that was part of his, he birthed it. But I, can, I mean, the same thing happened every time in history where the ones that started it, because they want to control it, because the image is part of it. If you can break those two, you're good on your way for a revival. I wanna, let's go teach a little bit. We can't just have fun. We'll have ministry later on. But uh, 
Isaiah 22 verse 22. This is a prophecy that happened a long time before Jesus came. So here, Isaiah prophesied this. He said, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Many years go by, about, whatever, 800, 900 years. And then, who appears on the scene? Jesus. And then Jesus, in Matthew 16, verse 19, says, and he calls the disciples. And Jesus says to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. Jesus is saying this to us tonight, my friends. Jesus is saying to you, I, Jesus, not me, Jesus is giving you the keys of the kingdom. Now, you know what's sad? As I've traveled around the world, and I've seen Christians go excited. They will worship. I've got the keys of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? If I give you a key and I say this key, open a room, and all the goodies of life is in there, you can go hallelujah till you're blue in your face. But till you use that key, you're not getting any of the goodies from that room. Sadly, that's what I'm seeing with the body of Christ. People go, I've got the keys. I've got the keys. It's like this guy said to me, this Twana guy, you tell me, but you don't show me. Guys, it's time that we need to use the keys of the kingdom. We need to show people that God has given us the authority to bind things, to loosen things, to release things. And as we step out and we do that, incredible, miraculous things happen. And I can tell you stories, my friends, where I've been to Muslim countries where you can tell, talk to a Muslim till you're blue in your face. But if you come with the power of the Holy Spirit, when they see that miracle, boom, everything opens up. God want to do the same through you. I'm not more special than you. I mean, actually, with all my, I've got all the disadvantages. My analytical side, my um, Calvinistic side I grew up with, actually all disqualify me to trust God. I had to learn that this, that I thought I was so smart, I knew so much, I had to lay down. You know, most of my family members are all in the medical profession. My younger sister is a psychologist. My other sister is a physiotherapist. My brother-in-law is a pediatrician. My two, uh, my nephew and niece are dentists. And I'm the rich missionary serving Jesus without a salary. Hallelujah. You know what? I have seen this last years where things that are medically impossible become possible. I understand. I'm, I'm a scientist myself. I studied science. So there are certain things that are absolutes according to the medical profession. But you know what? God is not blocked by that. Scientifically, still today, the year 2018, someone who has got AIDS cannot be healed. They hope soon there will be a breakthrough, but still, there have not been a breakthrough. You know what? I've prayed for babies that were HIV positive, and today they are HIV negative. It's not possible. But Jesus gave me and you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you a story that happened in this town two weeks ago. 
My brother-in-law is a pediatrician. Some of you know him, Ferdi Poole. Any of you know Ferdi? Okay. He works at Life Hospital. What happened about two weeks ago, so there was a preemie that was born, a child, a baby that was born premature. It was two kilos. The baby, it looked like it's going to die. Ferdi actually went to test it, did some blood tests on it, and they found, shockingly, this preemie had leukemia. Now, Fadi said to me, that is more rare than one in a million. He said, actually, you've never heard of that, a preemie that's born with, so basically the baby got cancer in the womb. When the, it was made known to the other sisters in the ward, they started crying because they knew this baby will die, 100%. There's, there's zero chance. The, the baby's too small to actually take chemo because it's only two kilograms. Um, what happened then was, the parents actually asked, and they decided to transfer the baby to oncology ward. And the nurses actually prayed with the parents. The parents were nominal Christians. And they started praying. They started crying. And they told me, Fadi said loud in the, in the ward, these two, two of the nurses started speaking in tongues. They were walking up and down, shouting in tongues. I mean, everybody was looking, but they didn't care. They cried and they prayed in tongues. The baby was transferred. Now, it's three days later, and they did again before they had to do any other, whatever, medicine. They had to again do a test. They sent, they did a blood test, and they sent it to exactly the same pathologist. This pathologist phoned Fadi and said, I've got two plates in front of me from the same baby. It's not like you made a mistake. The one showed 100% leukemia. The other one, three days later, showed zero leukemia. <laughs> This pathologist said, it's, basically, he said it's a miracle. It's impossible. Everybody said it's not possible. So it medically, it actually, it, it's, it's, the baby should be dead. And the baby is alive with zero cancer. You see, that's the God we serve, the God of the impossible. God is giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We need to use it. We'll see a third time. So this scripture of the keys of the kingdom is repeated three times. The third time is in Revelation chapter 3 verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Wow. You hear that? Jesus is giving you the keys, us the keys. We can do incredible things. God wants to come today and just release something over you. You know, my, um, no, sorry. The disciples one day came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, how should we pray? You all know that scripture. What does Jesus say? This is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I always thought that means hello God. Let your, let your, year on, as, and we see it, blah, 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 blah. All of you have prayed it probably a thousand times. I could say it in Afrikaans, not in English. Just the English one, I just thought, hello, <laughs> hello God. But you know what? What does it mean when you pray like that? I'm going to teach you today in a modern way how to pray this. 
Now, I'm a missionary, so that means I'm traveling all the time. I go to different countries. But let's say, let's make it more difficult. Let's say we go to Pakistan, okay? So we go to Islamabad. We all go with our South African passports, and we're going to do a little outreach there. So I organize for us a plane, and we all fly over. And I know we have American, Colombian passports, Nigerian, uh, whatever, Dutch, Irish, whatever passport you have. But let's say we arrived in our all with our South African passports. We do outreach, God's starting to work, and the next moment there's a mob of people that raise up and they get very angry. They, they like these Christians, they want to you know, lead people to Jesus. And what happened, the next moment the, the mob turns against us and they start throwing us with bottles and screaming. The police come, the army comes, and we realize we're in big, big trouble. So all of us start running, oh, the crowd behind us. And as we come around one of the streets, guess what we see? The South African flag. And we realize, wow, that is the South African embassy. So we start shouting to the God, hey, Mark Whip, open up. <laughs> and the God opened up and we run in. But there's a, there's a few of the young lads... They, they realize, listen, I don't know if it's going to be safe in the South African embassy. I mean, they are a big crowd, a lot of army, a lot of police. So they run. They think, man, these Pakistani police and army guys are fat, they're unfit, so we're going to outrun them. So they run. The rest of us go inside, and these guys go with buttons, and they hit on the outside. Say, bring out those guys. We want to beat them up. What can they do to us the moment we're in the South African embassy? Nux. <laughs> Nothing. Why? Because it's as good as if we're in East London. That little piece of land belongs to South Africa. They cannot touch it because if they violate that, it's as good as if they invaded South Africa. So these guys run. And yes, the Pakistani police is fat and unfit. But after 20 minutes, 30 minutes, eventually they catch them and boom, boom, boom. <laughs> what was the difference between them and us? They also had South African passports. Stupidity. <laughs> you know how many times I've seen that? We, as Christians, have certain rights. But if you do not know what is your right, if you do not use your key, my friends, the enemy is going to beat you up. You see, you have to use the right that God has given you. All of us, Jesus doesn't have to die again. Jesus already paid the price. But till the day we use this key, we apply it, we start to unlock, we start to lock, we still suffer the same consequences as everybody around us. But you see, you have a right. You're a citizen from heaven. Let's just go to the next one. But our citizenship is in? I'm going to personalize this story. I travel a lot. On average, it cost me 20,000 rand a year just for visas. I fill a passport, the bigger ones, every two years it's full. But that's not the worst. You know what's the worst? When I have to travel to America or to Europe or to Australia or to wherever, I have to go to that embassy. Then I have to stand in front of that person with the glass window. And you know what? They treat me as if I'm stupid. As if I'm a terrorist. As if I'm very poor. Why do you come to my country? Do you have money? 
Then I think, I don't want to come to your country <laughs> if it wasn't for Jesus. <laughs> so, but of course, I can't say that. The moment I say that, guess what? He goes, denied. So what do I do? <laughs> no, I have money. <laughs> I'm not a terrorist. I mean, sometimes I was so angry. I mean, these guys, the way they treat you. And that's been, for many, 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 many years in my life, that's how it was. And always I'm just nice and... And eventually, okay, you got three weeks in Europe. I'm like, three weeks? I need three years. <laughs> Any case, this happened and go on and on. And then suddenly a miracle happened. Boom, I got this one <laughs> from the Netherlands. My opa. My granddad came from the Netherlands. I never thought of him as Dutch, but he came as a missionary when he was 18, 19 years old. And he never went back. He married a South African lady. To cut a long story short, this happened. I mean, I had to fight for this. It took me about three years, but I got it. When I got this, they told me, that's now about three years, three and a half years ago. They said to me, if you do quickly for your son before his 18th birthday, he can also get one. Now, all my dealings to get this passport was in Pretoria Embassy. Then I realized, okay, maybe Cape Town is a little bit closer. So what we did is I booked the appointment online, and you can only get 15 minutes. That's maximum they allow you. So my son and myself arrived there at the embassy in Pretoria, and we arrived at the glass window, and the triggers start to go. And guess what? The Dutchie behind the window start to speak to me like all the other employees over the past many years. Blah, 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 blah. And I was about to go, And suddenly I remember, and I said, Hey, stop your nonsense. And I, I mean, this guy got the fright of his, I said, I am a citizen from the Netherlands. He's like, And of course, the more yammer he is, the more I'm giving it to him. I'm telling him, my son said to me, You're getting strong. I'm like, hey, this is my time. <laughs> and every time this guy tells me something, I'm like, hey, then he goes to the back, he comes back, he's like, yeah, you're right. I say, yes, I know I'm right. You sort it out. We stayed there for one and a half hour. After one and a half hour, everything was, was uh, right. I said, okay, um, when can he have his passport? He's like, oh, five, six months. I said, why five, six months? Why? He's like, yeah. said, yeah. No, five, six months. You sort it out. I want this thing. I mean, that's such authority. Guys, I promise you, two weeks later, the ambassador personally phoned me. Congratulations, Mr. Hugo. You can bring your son to pledge his legions to the Netherlands. Boom. Mine is a five-year. My son got a ten-year one. And literally, the ambassador, when, when, when my son pledged his legions, she said to him, son, or young man, whatever word, she said, you can even become the prime minister of the Netherlands one day. You have all the rights as a Dutch citizen. Now, you see... I am still South African. But that moment when I realized something happened. You are citizens from South Africa, from Colombia, from wherever. But the moment you commit your life to Jesus, you got a new one. If I did not take this out and tell this Dutchie behind the window, I would have been there. <laughs> and he probably would have chased me away. But suddenly I realize I'm not working for him. He's working for me. Are you with me? That's what we need to realize. Something needs to shift here. 
You are still South African, but you have a higher citizenship. You are a citizen from the kingdom of heaven. Start acting like that. Start using your kingdom citizenship, and suddenly things will start to change. And miracles start to happen. So this is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, we honor your name. Let your embassy from heaven come here on earth. And let the laws of heaven be applicable in this embassy. And guys, that's literally what I do. As I travel around the world, I create little embassies. And then I say, this is your kingdom, Lord. And then I invite people. Do you think one day in heaven people will be sick, oppressed, whatever you can think of, whatever will not be in heaven, we can have a little bit of that today here on earth by creating a little embassy. And that's what I'm doing, and that's what you can do. God is calling you guys as ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. Uh, a few months ago, my wife and myself were in Europe, and we were ministering in a small church. It was about 30, 35 people in Hamburg. Now, we started to pray, God, should we come? But in the natural, it's crazy, because we felt in our heart, God said, we need to come longer. But as if you've been to Europe, it's <laughs> a lot of ching, and especially for us as South Africans, if you think with the rand. And at that stage, the rand was in free fall. The euro went at a stage to 18 while I'm there. Now, praise God, it's back to 15, but still. So while we're there in this little church, a woman walks up to Trudy and me, and she greets us in perfect Afrikaans, like Afrikaner. She Wow, are you from South Africa? She says, no. So I had to go because I'm preaching, so I talked in front and arranged things. So my wife asked her, so how is it that your Afrikaans is so good? She said, uh, I pray in Afrikaans every day. Okay. So I asked the pastor, I'm standing in front and I'm talking to him. I said, that woman there, who's that? He said, I've never seen her in my life. I, I don't know who that is. And then I ministered, and when we were finished, she came to Trudy. She said, I have a prophetic word for you. Trudy's like a good uh, charismatic, taking out a cell phone to record it. She said, it's okay, just put it away. I will give it to you. Okay. And then she handed my wife an envelope, and she, and she said, don't open it now. Wait till you get uh, to your house, meaning, I mean, where we stayed. Again, in the car, I asked the pastor, I said, this, this woman, he said, literally, I've never seen her. I don't know who it is. When we opened it, this is what it says. This is your engagement ring to Europe. Please bring the fire of the Holy Spirit to Europe, and you can also use it for your son for the love of his life. We look inside, and there was a ring, a diamond ring, white gold, five diamonds. Now, <laughs> was it the angel? <laughs> was it just a woman who prays in Afrikaans, who speaks perfect Afrikaans? But you know what? God did the impossible. God did something. Now, my son actually just a few weeks back got engaged with that. But it's for us, our engagement to Europe. And it was just boosting our faith to God says, I want you to do something impossible. My friends, this is going to be a year where you guys are going to see impossible things. Where angels are going to come to you and minister to you. Where, where things will happen that is in the natural not possible. We actually evaluated that ring here and it's very expensive. The, the, the jeweler actually told us, Charles said, this is very good, very high-quality diamonds. So, <laughs> now again, it was, it's a few things. It's for us, prophetic symbolic, for going to Europe. For my son, and we were like, because we've been living 28 years without a salary, we're making this shift 
we knew our son is talking. There's no way we can even help him or stand with him. And God comes and he does the impossible. And just saying to him and to us, I am able to do what you cannot do. And that is what God is saying to us today. God is able to do what is not possible. You have the keys of the kingdom. Use the keys of the kingdom. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.